in honor of Gary coming back, I'm wearing a shirt that he would wear, I think. I don't know if it's his bride, but, um, and also in honor of Gary, there was a guy. This guy had four children, three daughters, one son. He loved being with his kids, and he coached his son in football, and sometimes his daughters would look at that and say, man, dad does football, what about us? So one day, his second oldest daughter came to him and said, you coach football, you need to do something with us. I said that, I mean, the guy. <laughs> the guy said, that's a great idea. What would you like to do? She said, we should do a musical together. The guy, late at night, sitting around in the safety of his home, said, great idea, uh, and forgot about it. About three weeks later, the daughter comes to the guy and says, auditions are next week for a musical called The Little Princess. You said you'd do it. Mm -hmm. The guy learns a song for audition. He goes to the audition. It's an out-of-body experience. There's hundreds of people there. It's a big theater. Um, he's in a room with a bunch of men, and these men step in front of the panel of judges, and they sing, and they move, and this man's like, what have I done? So this man gets up with a little uh, binder of music, and he knows he's supposed to look at the judges. He can't do it. So the man stares right down at his words and sings a song, and is thinking, I kept my word, I kept my word, I kept my word. He gets done, and the judges say, great, now we have the dance audition, and the man Almost bolts for the door. <laughs> he goes, he does it. He kept his word. Now, the daughter went on to get a part. Great part. In fact, here's a clip right here. Uh, this is my daughter, Violet. She's on the far right. Check it out. She doesn't know that's being shown, so imagine her surprise second service. But anyways, I think we'll overcome that. Uh, but my point today, and we're going to be talking about keeping your word and finishing strong. And the reason your title says finishing strong, and I've added keeping your word, is I believe in order to finish strong, there's a word that you're keeping. There's a promise. There's something you've said you'll do. And just to be clear, it doesn't have to be a vow. It doesn't have to be like a blood brother kind of ceremony. It's simply that when you say, yes, I'll do it, you do it. And, and you finish strong. Does that make sense? So we've been going through, if you've been around, we've been going all summer basically through the book, through the judges. And so we've been talking about various judges and, and how God sent them to rescue his people. He would raise them up to deliver them. And so beautiful pictures of Jesus, you know, all through this. And today we come to Samuel. Now we know Samuel is a priest. Uh, he also functioned as a judge. And, and what's important about Samuel, Acts 13.20 tells us that in the history that God uses Samuel to transition from judges to kings and all that that involves. And, and so really we're kind of coming to the end of judges. We're in a time of transition. But the two things I want to point out about Samuel, again, is that he kept his word and he finished strong. Now for Samuel... now. It's, it's a lot to go over. How many of you know anything about Samuel in the Old Testament? Oh, okay, we're doing, if you don't, don't worry about it. But so I'm going to go on the assumption we, we've heard of the guy, we know something about him. And so I'm going to highlight some things out of his life. And so he comes from a tradition of keeping your word. 
If you remember, it's his mother. She's in the temple, uh, unable to have children. She's got this taunting other wife. And, and, and so basically, she comes in prayer. She's so desperate. The, the priest there thinks she's drunk. And she's like, no, I'm not drunk. And, and so this is what she prays, 1 Samuel 1, 10 through 11. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. And so we have this woman, she promises her son in service of God. Uh, She actually adds to it a Nazarite vow, which he will fulfill, he will walk in. Um, And you know, we've been in positions where we make these kind of deals. I remember when I was little, I'd be outside the principal's office. I didn't pray a lot, but at the principal's office, every time, once a week or whenever it was, I would pray, dear Jesus, if you can just get me out of this, I'll, uh," and then I, you know, I'd promise something, I'd give up something, I'd start doing something. Um, And and I'm going to be honest, uh, normally I did get in trouble, so I didn't really have to honor whatever I said, but the times I didn't, I didn't honor it. Because it was like one of those little deals you're making. Uh, Mary Poppins calls it a pie crust promise, easily made, easily broken. And yet we're going to see that this woman, when God grants her the desire of her heart, she keeps her word. We, we fast forward 1 Samuel 1, 26 to 28. She comes up to Eli and she basically says, pardon me, my Lord, as surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now, keeping her word, I give him to the Lord. For his whole life, he will be given over to the Lord, and he worships the Lord there. And it's this beautiful picture that in a family tradition, the mom keeps her word, the son's going to grow up, he's going to make vows, he's going to step into this, he's going to honor what his mom said, and he's going to keep his word. You fast forward to 1 Samuel 3.18, the famous story where young Samuel's in the temple. He hears God, thinks it's Eli. And basically, when God finally speaks to him, he gives some very scary news regarding Eli. And I want you to imagine you're a small boy in the temple. God tells you what to say, and now you come before the priest, and it's your job to tell him what's up. Scary, right? It's bad news. You're going to die. Your sons are going to die. But we see in verse 18, we see that Samuel, because God said, say this, he didn't make a vow. He didn't make a promise, but he did what he was supposed to do. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. How many times when we speak to people hard things, we, we maybe tell them something. We maybe keep a few things back. But here this little boy, born in the tradition of promise-keeping, Says, lays it out, and he does what's said. And then finally, we go, 1 Samuel 7, 15, really gives us a synopsis of what I'm talking about. It says, Samuel continued as Israel leader all the days of his life. And, and we're going to look, maybe you know it, but there are some things in his life that aren't easy. There are some reasons to walk away. There are some reasons to throw up his hands and say, why am I doing this? And so the second thing I want to say is that he keeps his word but he finishes strong. Now, back to that guy. About a week after that audition, the guy gets a phone call. <sighs> you have a part. <laughs> huh. <laughs> you mean the guy who couldn't look up, the guy who couldn't dance? And then they say, uh, we are doing 16 runs of the little princess. Mm-hmm. So this guy 
He gave his word. He thought he kept his word. And now his, his job is to finish strong. One day this guy was working. He was in construction at the time. Coming back from a job far away. Got six guys in the, the truck. And he realizes he's late for rehearsal. Man, keep your word, finish strong. All right, guys, you're going to drop me off at this place. I'll, I'll hook a ride, don't worry about it. We pull up to the place. Uh, Coeur d'Alene Playhouse. You can imagine the questions the guys had. So this guy gets dropped off. Opening night comes. Guy looks out. They tell you in theater you can't see the audience. That's a lie. <laughs> he looks out, and right about where David and Heather are, second row, there's six men in flannels and boots, which in Idaho means you're dressing up. And I want you to see what they saw. Check this out. Cheer up. Everything will be fine in the end. The good Lord has a way of making things turn out for the better. That's right. Cheer up. I will never live that down. <laughs> never been shared in the state of Texas, and I just did it. But here's the point, and here's why it's important. To keep your word, you finish strong. If I had just gone to the rehearsals and done what I said I'd do technically, and then said, yeah, I'm not doing the show, or if I had done it, and when my buddies are driving me back to the playhouse, I said, okay, this is way too much, and it was. But in order, the, the fruit, the evidence of keeping our word is that we finish strong. You think about marriage. We, we have weddings, and they're beautiful, and we make our vows, and we talk about till death do us part, and richer and poorer, and sickness and health. And, and, and those are great vows. The evidence that the person saying them meant them is that they finished strong. And so what we see in the life of Samuel that's so beautiful is he finishes strong. Uh, we're going to kind of, you know, look towards the, not the end of his life, but as he gets older, uh, you need to get comfortable with, with the word older. If, if that offended you at all, read deep, because we're going there. So basically, 1 Samuel 12, 1 through 2, the people now ask for a king. And, and really what we're going to find out is that they're rejecting not only Samuel and the sons he's put to lead, they're rejecting God. This is a big moment. 1 Samuel 12, 1 through 2, Samuel said to all Israel, I have listened to everything you said to me and have set a king over you. Because God told him to. Now, you have a king as your leader. As for me, and watch this, I am what? Old and gray. Let's all say it together. Old and gray. Just breathe. And my sons are here with you. I have been your leader from my youth until this day. And what I want us to see is, from his youth he led, now he's old and gray, and he's continuing, he's finishing strong. He goes on. Uh, 1 Samuel 13, we see an incident where Saul, the newly appointed king, he, he's getting ready to go into something. The men are scared. He's waiting for Samuel. Samuel's delayed, and so he offers offerings on his own, and he shouldn't do it. And so Samuel shows up, and, and I want you to think, this is the king of Israel, the leader that they wanted so they could be like the other nations, and we realize that kings have power. 
ultimate power. They, they take heads off. They send people into banishment. And so this old gray man comes to the king. He's also anointed the king, appointed the king. And so not only is it him and seeing what's going on, but this is the man he's vouched for that he's chosen. And he says to, to Saul, like, think of the bravery. You have done a foolish thing. Imagine you walk into the king, the president, the dictator, and say, what you did was foolish. Takes guts. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he already called him foolish, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now, this is it. This is the public pronouncement. Your kingdom will not endure the Lord. Okay, so we got bad news going on, right? We, We use the phrase, add insult to injury. Here comes the insult. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. He is sending Saul into panic mode because he says the Lord's already picked someone to replace you. Like there's courage there. There's finishing strong. Again, Saul, knowing this is coming, he goes to war against the Amalekites. God says, don't take the loot. Don't spare the king. And what does Saul do? Takes loot, spares the king. He shows up, and there's a little humor in it, and because you know uh, Samuel comes up and goes, "Hey, what'd we do?" And he says, "Oh, I did it all." And Samuel's like, "Well, why do I hear sheep bleating?" A little sarcasm there, but then he goes on. Listen to this in First Samuel fifteen twenty eight: "The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and given it to one of your neighbors. Listen to this: to one better than you." Like. Courage, finishing strong. Continues along the same story, 1 Samuel 15, 33. Uh, he, he finds out that Agag's alive. Now, you have a king of a mighty nation. You have a king that people will pay ransom for. You have a king that there might be warriors coming to rescue. And Saul didn't kill him like he should have. Samuel said, he's talking to Agag, as your sword has made women childless, so will be your mother be childless among women. And Samuel put Agag to death before the Lord at Gilgal. Whoa. Our priest comes in, uh, probably doesn't walk with the sword, gets a sword off someone. And, you know, at that, like if you're at a party and the pastor's like, hey, anybody got a sword around? little different, like I'd say be careful if you're a king that should have been killed, takes that sword and brutally kills him because God said to. And now Saul, who was gracious and spared him and foolish, now all of a sudden if the people say, who killed the king, who did it? Samuel. And so he's putting his own neck on the line to honor what God said. Verse 35a, until that day, and, and so Samuel leaves and Saul leaves, until that day Samuel died He did not see Saul again, though Samuel mourned for him. He doesn't see him again. But again, he's not petty. He's not angry. He's not sending hate mail. He mourns for what happened to Saul. He cares about him. He's a good leader. He's a good priest. And so you think, okay, he finished strong. He's done his job. What more is there? Well, a little while later, God comes and says, let's go pick a new king. Now, it's easy to read these Bible stories, especially a man like Samuel, and think they're fearless, they're brave, they they just go out and do it in the power of the Spirit. There's no fear going on. That's not the case. Listen to what he says. God says to go do it, but Samuel said, 16.2, but Samuel said, how can I go? He's human. If Saul hears about it, he will what? Kill me. He knows what's out there. 
Imagine God coming and saying, I need you to do something, and when you do it, you're going to get killed. You know, logically, it's what's going to happen. Uh, you go to verse 4, and what do we read? Samuel did what the Lord said. Man, I can think of a lot of reasons not to go do something like that. And he is scared. He knows that death is on the line, and yet he does it anyways. And then finally, 1 Samuel 25, 1. Now Samuel died, and all Israel assembled and mourned for him, and they buried him at his home in Ramah. And so I want us to see that this is a man who kept his word. The evidence of keeping his word was that he finished strong. He played it out. He walked it through. When things got scary, he was there. When, things, uh, when the people were like, we don't want you, we want a king, and, and all that entailed, he did what needed to be done. And he dies. So I want to ask this question, what does finishing strong look like? Well, the word finishing would cause you to think, when do we finish? Especially as believers. At some point in life, Lord willing, you make a decision. It may not be a vow. You may not make a promise. But you essentially said, you are Lord and I will follow you. And I'm going to tell you, that's a promise. Your yes is your yes. Your no is your no. You've said yes to Jesus. And now the evidence is, do you finish strong? And so when we look at the word finish, we think of completing. We think of something coming to completion to something ending. And so I don't know how to talk about this without saying that finishing is about being old. Right? And so really I want us to think for a minute that the people I'm talking to when I challenge to finish strong today are old people. And and I mean it respectfully. When we lived in East Africa in Swahili... When you meet an old man, evidenced by gray hair, evidenced by wrinkles, evidenced by stooping, you reach your hand out, and the greeting you give them is shik amo. And what shik amo means is I hold on to you, I grab you. And it's a beautiful picture of Jacob grabbing on until he gets what? A blessing. And do you know what the answer to shik amo is from the old person you greet? It's marahaba, which is a short blessing. And so in this culture, they revere old. They honor old. When you meet an old person, you essentially say, bless me. And so when I say old, I might make some, you know, we'll laugh a little bit, and I might step on a toe, but, but I want you to know it's an honor. Here's what the Bible says, Proverbs 16, 31. Gray hair is a crown of splendor. It is attained by the way of righteousness. Some of us, maybe, Dye gray hair. I get it. Don't worry. We're not going to preach about hair dyeing. It's okay. But I just want to say you're covering up a crown of splendor. Okay? Proverbs 20, 20 and 29 says the glory of the young man is their strength. And so when, when Wayne said, I need some guys to help me move, I read this and thought the young men have strength. So I sent the young men. I wasn't there, was I, Wayne? I love you, but I, I need to let the guys operate in their strength. It says, but... Or not, but gray hair is the splendor of the old. And so biblically, I want to challenge us culturally that old is honorable. Old is splendid. Old is important. So, we okay with being old? Boy. Okay, let's go a little further. Raise your hand if gray hair died or undyed as part of your life. 
Oh, I like that. We got some hands going up, okay? Even some brown-haired people raising their hand. I love it. Anyways, um, anyways and, and here's what I'm going to say. Okay, in this church, we do Youth Sunday. We do Graduate Sunday. We just had VBS. You know what we don't do? We don't have geriatric camp. We don't have Old Man Sunday where we pick on the old men. And so uh, without making it an official holiday, and probably Gary says it will never happen again, today is Old Person Sunday. That's where we're going. Okay? I like it. All right. All right. All right. Man, you guys are great. I was, I was counting on that. I asked a few people at the door, and no one got offended. So here we go. Um, so I want to ask this question, and, and I want to propose to you the evidence of finishing strong as a believer is basically that one generation is going to tell and teach another generation. If you look back all summer going through the book of Judges, you see this horrible theme that people walk with God, and and the judge delivers them, and they begin to turn to God, and then there's an epic tragedy leading to the next judge, and what is it? That generation forgot the Lord, right? Right? They didn't follow the Lord. And so I think this is critically important. I think you don't have discipleship. You don't have mentoring. You don't have a healthy church. This church doesn't survive the next 30 years if one generation doesn't declare to the other generation his glory. It's critical. And I want to suggest for us who are willing to identify as old today that it's how we finish strong. Now, old is a tricky term. I just picked the number 45. If you're on the... I don't know even what the literature says anymore. Is it, is it 45 and older, 45 and younger? I have no idea. But if you're 45, make your own choice. But 45 is kind of my definition of old, okay? Now, Psalm 154, here's what it says. One generation commends your work to another, and here's how they do it. They tell of your mighty acts. They say this is what God has done in the world. This is what God has done biblically. This is what God has done in my life. And then Titus 2 gives us a model where it says, older men teach younger men, and older women teach younger women. And so I want to suggest there is a gender thing. And so it means an older man gets together with a younger man and tells of his glory and teaches them. And it's important. It's a big deal. And and here's the good news. As I look around, people that raise their hand, there's a lot of gray-haired old people in this room who do that. Praise God. There's people who are finishing strong. There are people who are doing it well. Wayne, Shirley. The the walkers they walk in means they don't necessarily get to the office. They came today, came to my wife's memorial. I, I sat with Wayne a while ago, and he said that God has told him since the walker came along that his job now is to pray for anyone he speaks to. Phone calls, Medicare hospitals, moving company, whatever it is. And he does it. He said only three people have ever said, I don't want prayer. In fact, a, a guy comes to his yard to spray for weeds. I mean, just imagine that. You're in your truck. It's 100 degrees in summer. You're going to go spray weeds. You run into Wayne. And Wayne shares the gospel, and this young man receives Christ. And then this young man gets assigned somewhere up north, whichever way north is, and, and the young man returns on his own time to Wayne to say, hey, what do I do next? And Wayne tells of the glory of God and teaches this young man. I think of Mary. Uh, I came on staff, brand new. We go to this thing called G-Hop. We praise the staff. I think it was the first time. I didn't know Mary, just a lady at the front desk. And, and I look over, and, and she's crying as we, as we talk. 
And I said, you know, what's wrong? I didn't know her. She says, you know, I'm remembering my husband who died. And, you know, it's kind of that awkward, like, <laughs> what do you say next? You know, and, and just the way she was, the way she was being real, I just said, well, like, can you share about that? And she did. She shared about what that meant. She shared about the pain. She shared about loss. And I'm listening and I'm learning. Because a lot of us, we meet widows and, but, and we know the situation, but like, what do you say? What do you ask? And so this godly woman in a biblical way is just saying, hey, here's what it's like. Here's what the women are going through. And, and I didn't know it. It seemed to me like a little, hey, this will help, you know, in pastoring. My day was coming. And so as I walked through it, I'm remembering that Mary taught me a hard thing in life that blessed me and helped me where I was at. And, and so what I want to say is it's important. It matters. Now, I know when I say it, for some of us who are older, there's, there's a few hurdles. There's some lies Satan whispers in our ear. I thought of three. I think the first one is relevance. You know, you think of the young people and they dress different, listen to different horrible, no, not horrible, uh, music, different music. Some of it's good. And so it's easy to think, you know, am I relevant? Do they want to hang out with someone old like me? They do. Because I want to tell you, Jesus is relevant. I don't care if you're relevant. I don't care. They don't care either. Like a lot of churches go down this road of hire a young, hip youth pastor, and that's where it's going to be. And I, I, I respect this church because they get guys, except for Joel. Joel's pretty hip. But, but, I mean, they get guys, and they say, it's more important to tell and to teach. So relevance, like, come on. Jesus is relevant, and life is relevant. Okay? We, we think about failures. But by the time you get our age, there's things in life that didn't go the way you wanted. There's things we failed at. Peter, getting ready to fail, getting ready to deny Jesus, huge failure. This is what Jesus says in Luke 22, 32. He says, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. But it will. And when you have turned back, do what? Because he knows how now. When Peter met with a man in, in the early church who was struggling with denying his faith, or maybe he already had, Peter was able to say, I've been where you are. I get it. We think about unworthiness. Some people think, well, I, I didn't go to seminary, and I don't have the Bible memorized. Here's the deal. You tell of God's works. It's okay to meet with the young person and say, I don't know, but I can look it up. I don't know, but let's find someone who does. And, and so I, I want to say that the hurdles we think are there, they're not really there. I've asked a few people to come up. If they'll start coming up right now, I've picked some young people, and I'm comfortable with using the word now. I picked some old people. So they're going to come up the stairs here. And I want to give you a demonstration. Because I know I say this, and it's kind of like, well, okay, they're older, more, more tires on the, or miles on the tire, been through life. But I want you to visually see what I'm talking about. I want you, if you're here today and there's hurdles to meeting, and, and just let's cut to the chase at the end, I'm going to ask you to do something. We can all nod and drool and say, yeah, yeah, teach them, whatever. So here we go. So I'm going to ask a series of questions. I've given the questions to the group. Uh, the questions have a little bit of um, protection in them, and so when they step forward on a question, you won't necessarily know if it's them or a family member, and so they've agreed to do this because it's important. Uh, don't worry about being in line. Just, you know, we'll make it work. It's all good. Here we go. Question number one. Let's go easy. Have you had a birthday party? Take a step. Everybody step? 
I, I've met people who've never had a birthday party. It's the saddest thing on earth. Uh, have you ever been in a car wreck with injuries? Take a step. Okay. You ever graduated high school? Young people are like, oh, we did that. Oh, sorry, David. <laughs> have you ever been abused? Okay. You ever been married? Uh, young people, you might have set an old person step around you or, you know, like don't step back, but. Uh, have you ever been fired or laid off? Not the resignation, but man, okay, thank you. I picked some. Have you ever experienced divorce in your immediate family? Okay. Have you ever had a child? Let's go two steps on this because having a child. I tell people getting married is like a three on the Richter scale. Having a child is like a ten. Oh, my goodness. Uh, two steps is if you had a child. Okay. Uh, two steps, if, or one step, if you've had major surgery. Okay? Two st- three steps, if you've ever lost a child. Have you ever struggled with your faith? Have you ever lost an immediate family member? Take three steps. Whew, a little more cheerful. Have you ever bought a house? Have you or a family member contemplated or committed suicide? Have you ever been through a life-threatening illness? Two steps. And the last one, have you ever been abandoned? Okay. Not easy questions. I appreciate your honesty. I want you to look at what we see up here. And and what do you see? Experience. Experience. Not all good experiences, some hard things. We, we see that even though there's generalizations, we have young people. I mean, you're a little bit older, but we have young people who have been through some things. And so we see that up here, ahead of the pack or away from the pack, we have people who've lived life. These are the people that can talk about. They, they won't, they're wise. They're not going to say, I know what you're feeling because they don't. But they can say, I've been where you are. They can say, hey, I see where you're headed. They can say, let me tell you something in my life that was a flop that I learned from. And we need this. Uh, Jeff is a pastor, college associate pastor. Jeff can point you to Jesus. Jeff can speak truth. You know what Jeff can't do? Can't say I've been where you are. And so it's critical that these old people, these crowns of glory, this splendor, that they share their stories, that they teach. Do you get the point? Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. So, made my case. You're like, can you rest now? No, I'm not going to rest now. Uh, Here's the idea we've had. Uh, This little book, super thin, super simple, not genius, is called Five Conversations. Okay? It's a simple idea that says... And here's the truth. If I walk to you and say, will you mentor me? Will you disciple me? There's so many definitions of mentoring. There's so many definitions of discipling. They're all good things. And there's good programs. And then you you think, well, what is it? And then you think to yourself, like, what's the time commitment? Are we talking like a year? Are we talking a lifetime? Is this a Nazarite vow? Like, what's going on? And and so what we want to do in the Marine Corps, they use a phrase called keep it simple Yeah, you said it, not me, so there you go. Um, 
But this is what this is. It's five conversations. And we didn't get real creative. The first one is share your story about Jesus with each other. This is an old person meeting with a younger person. Uh, and then the next ones are basically find, know, follow, multiply. Ever heard that before? It's a really good statement. When you talk about finding and, and knowing and, and following and multiplying, you're talking about following Jesus. And, and so the challenge we want is for old Christians to meet with younger people who don't necessarily have to be a Christian, and we want them to have these five conversations. No strings attached, nothing more. It'll be one-on-one by gender. It'll be with this little simple booklet, because I don't need one older person saying, hey, let's talk politics, and the other one, let's talk golf. Like, just trust me, and there's alignment. There's for all of us saying, what is the mission statement of Grace Community Church? How do we follow it? How do we recognize it and walk in it? Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to ask people to sign up today, as it were. We're going to ask people, we're going to make some matches, not speed dating, but some matches, okay? And then we're going to ask people, maybe at the end of August, for the older person to reach out, and we're going to say, you pick a time, you pick a place at your convenience, and have five conversations. Does that make sense? I hope it's simple for people like me, okay? Uh, I want you to watch this video. I asked a few people what they thought of the idea. Let's hear from them. Hey, Grace, as elders, we're always uh, wanting to encourage the congregation to be a part of the process of being in each other's lives. And this is going to be an opportunity for you to be a participant (laughs) in someone else's life and to really encourage someone else. Um, I am spending time with a 17-year-old student, and I'm also uh, being encouraged by my good friend, Jerry Bates, who is kind of my Paul. So we just want to encourage you to be a part and to really participate in this process. I think it's a good idea for younger Christians to meet with older Christians because older Christians generally have more understanding and insight into life and Christianity. I think it's a good idea for older Christians to meet with younger Christians because they are so full of wisdom. They are more experienced than us, so they can help guide us, uh, be that support for us, help us uh, make tough decisions, and they can also help redirect us when we are going astray and just be a godly example for us and help us navigate the, the Christian walk. I do think it can be tough. Uh, following Christ as a young adult and sometimes you don't know what to do or how to do things and that's why it's important to have those older Christians who are more experienced who can give us the advice we need encourage us uh, and pray for us and just be there for us and let us know that we're not alone and Proverbs thirteen twenty says he who walks with wise men will be wise but the companion of fools will suffer harm and I know that uh, age doesn't automatically make you wise, but there's a lot higher chance of being wise when you have a lot of experience behind you. And in my life, it's been a real blessing um, getting to do life with, with men who are older than me, getting to meet up and just have encouragement, fellowship, uh, learn, from, learn from their mistakes and from their successes, just get wise counsel and advice and uh, also just realizing that it's okay to not have everything together. I think as a young person uh, we tend to feel like we need to have our lives all figured out and I think one of the biggest encouragements that I've received in, in meeting with uh, people who are older than me is, is just 
that it's okay. It's okay to not have it all figured out and to just trust God and just mm. to rely on Jesus. Amen. So it's easy, you know, to come to something like this. We all nod and go, yeah, that's a good idea. Oh, yeah, I'd do that someday. That's not good enough. We, we got to do it. So my prayer was, I, I said to God, I'm not a numbers guy, but I said, I need 128 young people that want to do this. Uh, we got like 152 at this point so far. And, and so these are actually names of people that young people who said, we want to meet with someone old. We want to learn. Uh, we want to benefit. Okay. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. When you came in, hopefully you got this flyer. Okay. If you do pull it out, if you don't have one, raise your hand. Now here's who you are. If you're old, willing to do it to help me meet the 152, if you're young and you didn't hear about it, or maybe you said no and you're like, I'd love to meet with someone older and learn, raise your hand. If you don't have one, they're going to bring you on. And I'm, I'm okay on time. We got two minutes, so relax. Here's my gift to you. For a minute and a half, I'm not going to talk. For a minute and a half, I'd like you to go to the uh, seat back in front of you or your purse or someone's purse. Get out a pen. Let's not go home. You, may need to, you might need to pray about it. I'm just going to say, please do it. Uh, but let's go ahead and fill these in for a minute and a half, and I'll, I'll just give you a minute and a half to do it. And if you've already done a card like this, if you know you're already doing it, just take a minute and pray. Just pray that in these conversations that old people would connect relationally, that old people would teach younger people, that we would fulfill finishing strong, that we would tell and we would teach. My final challenge, and we're going to pray. Uh, if you have a card, you can find me. Give it to me. I'd love to see it. Uh, you can put it in the, uh, the offering boxes around the room. Uh, you know, give it to someone on staff. We will get them. Our goal is in the next two weeks to begin some matchmaking, to begin kind of pairing people up. Uh, if you're older, we're going to get you the booklet uh, towards the end of August. And then the goal is that then you, you know, time and place to figure it out. I want to challenge those of, those of us that are older. There's sometimes a pressure that says, you know, I'm going to shine. I'm going to show them. I'm going to, you know, model where it's at. And that's all good. Here's what I've learned in public speaking and sharing the gospel. People relate to brokenness. I mean, I've, I've come up sometimes when I was young and like blah, blah, blah. And people are like, oh, whatever. But, man, you come up and you share a failure. You share an area where you blew it. You share a pain you've been through, and it's amazing that people come up, tears in their eyes, and like, man, I needed to hear that. And can we talk about that? I mean, I even pray that what we saw on stage today, you saw some people up here, and you're like, man, I'd love to go talk to Mary about what it means to lose a spouse. I'd love to talk about, you know, what does that mean? Does that, does that make sense? So don't feel the pressure just to, you know, have it all together. Like, be real. Be honest. This is a generation they get being real. They really do. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you for models like Samuel. They kept their word. They finished strong. Uh, there's people in this room who are keeping their word and finishing strong, and we praise you for that. I pray that part of finishing strong, that the, the job's not done, the life is not over until we've passed it on to the next generation. I pray by your spirit we'd have the power and ability to
would do that. I pray that your spirit would show up in these conversations. I pray that whether it's relationships or invitations or meals, that, that you would do exactly what you want to do in the middle of this. Commit it to you. In Jesus' name, amen.